All right. Evangelist Billy Graham once said that a coach will impact more people in one year than the average person will in an entire lifetime. So here's what we're going to do here today. We're going to take Billy Graham's quote and then we're going to add something to it. We're going to say that a good coach will positively impact more people in one year than the average person will in one lifetime. I'm your host, Coach P, and I'm excited about highlighting the unsung heroes. I'm talking about the good coaches, the ones who dedicate their time, their energy, and oftentimes their resources and money into pouring into young people day after day, month after month, year after year. Here at the Coaches Co-op, we highlight good coaches. And today I'm, I'm happy to highlight a, a great coach. He, he doesn't know this, but there are some things that he has said that I have added to my to my repertoire. So let me introduce this gentleman to y'all. All right. This gentleman is he's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather born and raised in Waco, Texas. I learned something new today. He was an all state basketball player and he was inducted into the is it Reacher Reicher Riker. The Riker Hall of Fame. He's been coaching 28 years, spent 21 years at University High School in Waco, Texas. Uh, he currently serves as the athletic director of the Spring Independent School District. I'm not done. He co-authored a best-selling book, The Impact of Influence, Volume 4, and he is the founding president of the Hispanic Texas High School Football Coaches Association. Everybody, please welcome Coach Armando Jacinto. Coach, thank you so much for your time today. Well, I appreciate you uh, uh, asking me to, sir, uh, you know, to uh, to tell to be part of your uh, podcast, and uh, it's an honor to be asked. Oh, Coach, I'm I'm glad you're here. So we dive right in. We don't we don't waste any time. So I want to know when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? When did coaching become a realistic thing for you? Uh, well, uh, coming from a, a coaching family on my uh, mother's side, when uh, when I was gonna when I was gonna graduate from high school, fixing to graduate from high school, going off to go play ball, uh, my plan was to get. I was gonna major in business. Don't tell. Don't ask me why. It's, it's not like I had this big plan of uh, I'm gonna open up some type of business or I'm gonna invent some type of uh, apparatus or have some type of uh, uh, you know. Thing I'm going to patent, going to make a lot of money. I don't even know why he said that because I can't remember back in the days why I thought that. And then uh, my high school basketball coach, he, uh, you know, just, just, just uh, at, almost at the end of the year, school year, and he just asked me, uh, he, he knew where I was going to school. He said, What you going to major in? I said, Business. And uh, he didn't even, he didn't even ask why that, you know, what are you going to do? But he just said, You're, you're a great leader. You need to be a coach. And when he said that, that's, that's, the path I took. So when I when I en enrolled in college, uh, you know, I took those uh, courses uh, in order to be a coach. Uh, <clears throat> as far as, uh, but I did get some other good advice from other coaches who are currently in in the in that uh, profession. Is that uh, you know everybody back in that days, this was in 1981. Everybody would take PE. You'd be a PE teacher and you'd coach whatever sport you're going to coach. Uh, but you know things were kind of changing back then. They were they're not changed, but they, you know, there was a, a slow change coming about as far as those the the amount of position PE positions, and they said it, they would they would advise to get a a secondary certification 
or take secondary courses so that I could have a secondary certification beside, yeah, go ahead and do PE, but do something else because that's, it's going to be a little bit hard for you to get that PE job because those are normally going to go to the, the coaches who have more tenure, the coaches who are head coaches, which I know I'm not going to be a head coach when I come out. I'm going to have to start at uh, whatever level that's going to be. And I know that's not going to be at the top level. So I uh, <clears throat> also uh, took, uh, I also liked history. So I, that was my secondary <clears throat> uh, certification was history, uh, social studies. And so uh, when I came, when I did graduate, one of graduating from Baylor, I didn't play ball at Baylor, just graduated from Baylor. And when I came out and uh, <clears throat> there was a job available because I graduated mid-year and uh, just happened to be my uncle, who was uh, a former coach, but he was a counselor then at the at University High School. They had a position open and he asked the head, he told the head coach he had somebody that, you know, somebody that just graduated would fit, fit right in and uh, I interviewed. And I started out at the middle school as a uh, coming at mid-year. So I was going to do football, basketball, and baseball, but coming mid-year, I just started it because basketball season was already going. And the coach that that um, that just left, he wasn't a basketball coach, but that was going to be my assignments when I started the next year. But I came in and uh, <clears throat> I was able to participate in offseason at the high school because they would give me that off period in order to get ready for baseball. And I was a assistant baseball coach, and that's how I started. And that's where from there it, it – uh, <clears throat> that's well – that led me on my path to where I'm at today. However, my goal as far as with coaching is that I wanted to be a head basketball coach in Texas, head high school basketball coach. And in the total time that I coached, I've uh, been involved in athletics for 36 years, 28 of them is coaching. And I only coached that, that whole 28 years, one year, two years of basketball. That was at the middle school level. So it's funny, you know, it's just funny how, uh, uh, you know, if, if I, when I, when I got it, when I graduated, if you'd have told me in, 2014 or 2023 that I would be an AD I would I would have looked at you like you was crazy I said no I would never I'm that that I'm not saying I couldn't do it but that was never in, in my in my when I began there was not nothing in in my mind about doing that just being a head basketball coach and out of all the 36 years I've been in uh involved in athletics I've only coached basketball two years so uh kind of wow where uh where the man upstairs he he he's going to tell you where you're going. You can't tell him. Yeah, you can tell him all you want, but he's going to tell you where you need to be. That's right. Right. Write your plans in pencil. <laughs> yes, sir. And and give and give God the eraser. Okay, so coach, Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame at Riker High School. So coach, what would, tell me about basketball. Tell me about Coach Jacinto as a hooper, right? All-state hooper in the Riker Hall of Fame, Talk about that a little bit, Coach. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, well, one thing, you know, uh, my high school basketball coach, even though he was not very knowledgeable about basketball, he was a great coach. And uh, it's just funny, when we were sophomores, uh, we had another coach who was very knowledgeable about basketball, and we only won three games. Yeah, you were, we were young, but a, lot of, but a lot of times, but that year a lot of our upperclassmen did not play because when the coach came in and he had a team meeting, uh, we had a meeting with everybody that was interested, and he talked about how long his practice is going to be, all the expectations, and a lot of people, a lot of our our uh, upperclassmen players didn't play because uh, that kind of scared them off. And uh, and even though he's very knowledgeable, he just was, uh, you know, like you talk about impact. His impact was not uh, was not positive. And uh, yeah. And then the next year we got this new coach who was more football football oriented, but. Uh, 
was not his knowledge of basketball. And he wouldn't, he even told, told us, I don't know a lot about basketball guys. And he would, he would show us the books that he read. He would even um, get input from the, the players who, who had more knowledge than him, but he was a great coach. And that next yeah. year we, we doubled our amount of games that we won. And then when we, when we became seniors, we went all the way to the state championship, got beaten in the state championship game. And, uh, you know, so it was, uh, so that kind of, kind of where, where I kind of got my, uh, my philosophy a little bit. He was, he was great at, and he, he held you accountable, no matter from the, the last man on the bench to the, to per se the best player. I remember one time, um, in senior year and I got in foul trouble and it was kind of, it, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a real smart foul. I got in foul trouble. So he took me out right before the half. Cause I got my third foul and the assistant coach threw me the towel and I was mad and I threw the towel right back, not at him, but I threw it cause you know, we were in a smaller gym and the walls right behind the bench. So I threw it right yeah. back at the, at the wall. And, uh, that was at the end of the half. So as we were going in, the head coach told me, he says, if you don't go apologize to the assistant coach, you're not playing the second half. And I said, coach, I wasn't throwing that at him. I, I was, he said, no, but the way it looked, it looked, you, you showing him up. He's trying. I said, I know. And I, and I explained myself, I'm not mad at coach. I'm mad at myself. He said, but the way it looks, the perception is, is that you're disrespecting the coach. And, you know, I, I didn't argue. I, I, uh, I understood what he meant. Uh, but I didn't. Uh, I disagreed because I knew I was was a you know, I knew what I, what I was upset about. But he said, if you don't apologize, and I wouldn't apologize to the to the assistant coach. And he, he himself said, you don't have to tell me. I said, I, he know. I know you didn't mean it, me. You you know he he understood. You know we all he all he understood. And he said, but he said I understand, but I accept your apology. But I know you weren't mad at me, and I know you weren't trying to show me up. And so no, I was. And that just kind of showed you the accountability that. Uh, the impact he had on us, and, and it shows by the the success we had as a team. Uh, you know, was was this coach Friedley? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that was the best coach you ever had. Uh, he, he, my grandfather was my best coach, but okay, but he was he was he was very impactful and put me on the path of where I, where I'm at today. But he was very impactful. Yeah. And was this the same coach who? said you no not business coaching yes yes coach freely yes okay yes sir okay okay mm-hmm. definitely definitely a good coach all the way to the state championship game and not even a basketball coach yes sir. And, and, and like i said but, he, he he would even he even show us the books he'd read and he you know he knew he knew his uh his limitations but he was great at relating to us and uh getting us the most out of our ability Wow, coach, listen, that that's crazy because be, before we got on and started recording, I was just kind of I started reading this book and I started underlining some things in the book um because I'm like, man, everything is I'm watching things line up in my life. So I just this is off the path of where we're going. Yes, sir. But this is this is the book. And it says a practical guide for the relatable leader. Mm-hmm. So the the fact that you just said, man, he he could relate to us. That lets me know that I, I picked up the right book <laughs> on the shelf. Yes, so sir. I appreciate that. Okay, coach. So when you were playing, were you a shooter, point guard, driver? 
What was what was the best part of your game when you played? Uh, I could do it all. Just just you know, if we were we didn't have three point back then, but I was already shooting three pointers. I averaged about it was almost twenty one points a game in high school. Uh, but if we had a three point line, I'd be I probably was hitting would have averaged about thirty. But I also could post you up. I could drive. Uh, I had the second most blocks on our team, and I'm five eight. But I was I, I would always block them from the back. Not freight, you know, they okay. jump into the okay. big man. So I'd sag down yeah. and he'd turn and I blocked from the back. And I had like about 30 right. blocks. Yeah, exactly. Blocking from the back. <laughs> I wasn't blocking him. Even though I was a, a whole lot lighter in the, in, the, in the pants, I could jump a lot higher. But I was in, a, you know, I, I, I didn't guard the big man. So that's where I think where, where I was so, uh, so be so successful because I could post you up. If they put a big, bigger person on me, I could go by you. If they put a person the same size as me, I'd post you up. Uh, so you really have to pick your point. Then I also would pass too. But we had a real good uh, um, point, uh, a guard that he was our sixth man, and he was always uh, he was great at, at at getting getting us going if we were kind of being, uh, you know, not not being, uh, you know, not I ain't gonna say you know we were kind of flat, and he would come in. He 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 be the point guard so I moved to the wing and then I played off of him and uh and and we also had you know everybody else on we had we had great players too don't get me it wasn't all me we had great players we could go 10 deep and it, there would be no fall off uh with with our team and that was that was one of the good things about our team we were when they were some if somebody wasn't going good if somebody got in foul trouble there was there was somebody come off the bench and it, there would be no let off you can tell the difference from the first team to the second team uh, that and and we had we had speed we had height um so we you know we, we could go small we could go big we could go slow we could go fast so we very had a we very, it's uh and we kind of patterned ourselves over the ucla teams back in the day that's kind of okay that's what coach pat because that's when he read john wooden's book and that's you know that's that was that was the you know ucla back in that day they were there's a bomb back then and they kind of patterned yeah, our, yeah. our team after that we pressed uh, you know, we we played two one two press and things like that, and so uh, he he emphasized by throw, uh, shooting off the glass, using the backboard, and just all those things that uh kind of run that high low type of offense yeah, that yeah. they ran back in the day. So okay, okay, well, I'm, you know, the hallmarks of 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 championship teams because you got to be on a really good team to get to the state tournament, much less make it to the state finals. Okay, coach. So I want to talk about your why, your coaching why. But before we do that, um, I'm looking at your your Mount Rushmore of coaches. Okay, so tell us who's on your Mount Rushmore of coaches. You you got four four good names right here. Tell us about your Mount Rushmore. Uh, we're kind of going back because I got my notes here. I know John Wooden was one of them. I'm trying to look and see yeah. the other. Uh, so I think you got it's Lombardi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was uh is it Land Tom Landry? Yes or no? Tom Landry. Okay, yes, sir. And then, uh, then Saban. Mm-hmm. Saban. And so educate me. I, I know, you know, I, I've read about Wooden. I, I've read a book. I've watched some, you know, any time there's something about UCLA, I watch it. Last week I was watching the uh three part special on Bill Walton. Yes. Um love Nick Saban. Love Nick Saban. One of his favorite quotes that I, that I love is it takes what it takes, yeah. but I don't know a whole lot about Lombardi. You know, I know Green Bay Packers, right? Lombardi, Vince Lombardi. I know Tom Landry, Dallas Cowboys, right? I was, I was just a little bit younger. 
um, when he was around. But what is it about uh, those two guys first, Lombardi and Landry, that stuck out to you? And then after that, talk about Wooden and Saban. Well, I, I think uh, one reason that Landry was so successful because I don't, I don't know if you know, Landry was a defensive coordinator for Lombardi. Him and Lombardi were Lombardi was the offensive coordinator, and Landry was the defensive coordinator on the same with the New York Giants. So I think them, them, uh, uh, I guess bouncing stuff off each other. Uh, you know, you had two great coaches, so that's why they were so successful in 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 the realm that they really what they really knew. And I think Lombardi. He was just um, about reps, about reps, and and just not doing a lot, but doing whatever you do, you get good at what you do, and it's going to be on the opponent to stop you, because uh, if, if and as long as you rep it, and uh, kind of like going back to a saving thing, it says you don't do it, you do something, you don't do something till you get it right, you do something till you don't do it wrong. Yeah, exactly. So and and so I think that's and because if you look at any of the his grand, great his, uh, Green Bay Packers team. They didn't run a lot. They, they they were known for that power, that sweep, that that sweep, and and you know it was nothing uh, complicated. They weren't going to sit up there and try to trick you. That's what they were going to do, and uh, you know, and they played great defense. And I think Landry, I'm a Cowboy fan, but since I was little, uh, and I, it always gave me that Landry never showed any emotion, and a lot of times when I would want the team to have some emotion, you know, they were still the same. And I said, if they showed some emotion, maybe they wouldn't be playing like they're playing, but that was his philosophy. And, you know, they took the, they took the, uh, the demeanor of the coach. And when I became a head coach compared to when I was an assistant all the way to uh, the coordinator, I was very, uh, I was very animated, very emotional, very enthusiastic. I mean, I, 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 I praise you just as much as I would when I have to give you some uh, correct correction. But when I became a head coach, I understood why Landry was the way he was. Because you have to, you, it, it's kind of hard to, you can't as an assistant, you can't even as a coordinator, because you're only really responsible for one side of the ball. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can coach, I feel that you can coach that way and still be, uh, still be effective. But, it, but, it, but as a head coach, you have to, you can't have up and downs. You have to be. Like when well, you know, once you get up, just like that airplane, like Bill Cosby says, you got to be right here because not you, you, you go up and you, you know, you do, you're gonna have a lot of up and downs, and your team's gonna play that way, and uh, there's gonna need not not be no consistency, and I think that way then, uh, so when and it's okay, and you know this, coach, when everything's going good, no problem. I mean, you know, that's, that's nothing, but when things are not going your way for whatever reason, whether there's whether there's adversity from referees, whether adversity from uh, you know, you have uh, uh, one of your players in foul trouble. You have a player that's sick. You have a player that got in trouble for those things like that. Uh, you know, and 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 some of those things we can't control. That's what because they're going to take your demeanor. The, the, the your team is going to take your demeanor, and if they see you not able to handle adversity, they're going to do the same thing. And you you can't really, you know, like you said, like you said, you know, your your quote about the the impact. That impact's not going to be positive. It's going to be negative, and you really have nobody to, to uh, you know, you can't you can because you're the head coach or you're the coach. You can blame the players, but that's not being a great coach. All the blame got to come back on you because another thing I learned from the coach was that I first when I first my first job that was head coach at university, we'd come and meet, and he always talked about 
If the kids are not getting what we're trying to get them to learn, to try to get them to execute, it is your fault. And, you know, as a coach, you know, coach, we done did everything, everything you can so they could get it. And and you always go to that cliche. The next thing we have to do, coach, is play for them, you know, which we know we can't, but that's, that's, uh, that, that's the next thing. Cause, and he said, it doesn't matter. It's our fault. And at first I didn't get it when I was younger. And as I got older, I understood because it doesn't matter. You still got to, they're the ones playing and they got to, they got, you got to find something to get that gets to them. So they get it because they're the ones playing and it is our fault because uh, whether it doesn't matter if we, if we've exhausted all avenues for them to understand what you're trying to get them to do, if they don't get it, they're not going to learn like we do and they're not going to understand it like we do, but we have, but it's our job to get them to understand whatever means is necessary and uh, so I understand now that it, it is our fault if they don't get it. Now, if they do it and the other guy does better, well, they practice too. So, or the other young lady does it better. That's going to happen. I mean, even even a, a a team or player that's not better than your player, they they practice, and sometimes your player's going to mess up, and they're going to get them. And sometimes that's just the that's that's the way it is. But if you can win more than you lose, and everybody can do that then you should be successful on that court or on that, 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 that arena, that, uh, the playing field, uh, more often than not, but yeah, you, you know, I got a, one of my football coaching buddies, um, cause I, I still, as a basketball coach, I, I, I steal a lot. I borrow a lot from football. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he just, you know, he was just telling me one day it's, it's two things, two things are happening with your kids when you see them performing on the field, on the court, wherever, it's either what you're coaching or it's what we're allowing to happen. Yes, sir. You know, and I, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I've, I've gotten better. I think I've gotten better uh, the longer I've coached because it's okay. We get, you know, if we're lucky, we'll get kids for four years, you know, on the high school level. And I, I believe we have a responsibility for that kid to improve all four years. Yes, exactly. And if we don't help that kid improve all four years, then I, I do think we have to look at ourselves as coaches. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. That's good yeah. stuff, coach. And I think uh, just, just to expand what we're talking about, my evolution as a coach is that my, right today in 2022 with the way society is and the way our, our young people are and, and just society as a whole, the two point, the two important things I – feel is most important for you to be successful as a coach is relationships and player development that, you know, if you see that they're getting better and you can see, and you'll see that improvement if you have a relationship with them, because then they buy into what you're trying to get them to do. It's kind yeah. of evolved from when I first started, that wasn't to me, wasn't the most important thing. When I first started, it was, I'm going to win all these champs. I know what I'm doing. I can coach. And it's not, and I realized real quick, it is, it's not, yeah, you can, yeah, you got to do some coaching. But you gotta have some players to do it, to, to to do it with as well, and I, I've kind of evolved where, uh, you know, back when I first started, it was about teaching them what to do and making sure, you know, just keep, uh, you know, just being real technical, and and that's important. But it now I feel with the way because and you know when you're successful, what you've been as a coach, if uh, you can go out there and win state championship, the next year, you're gonna still have to validate with your girls that you know what you're doing. And you, and some of those girls would have played that fought that previous year on the same state championship team. 
And so that's that goes back to relationships. It's not like back in the day where like like when Wooden coached. It doesn't matter, man. Everybody want to play for Wooden. He wants championship. Yeah. I don't I don't know him as a man, but as a coach, I want to go play that, you know, and and even with the successful team. But now, you know, yeah, they'll want to go play with those for those successful teams and coaches, but they still have to bat well. That's last year's team. What you gonna do this year? This I'm I'm on this team now, you know. So that's yeah. kind of where I've evolved at this point. Yeah, so relationships and player development, they're they're intertwined. How are those two things what how do those two things fall under the umbrella of your coaching philosophy? So how did you in, in your coaching philosophy, how did it develop? You know, how did you develop that philosophy? And then the second thing is uh how did uh how did you come to, you know, how long did it take for player development and relationship building to be A and B on your coaching philosophy? Well, and, you know, I, I kind of hit on it, uh, what I, how I felt when I first came out that, yeah, I know what I'm mm-hmm. doing. I'm a good coach. I can get these kids to do what I'm going to state championships is that I just realized that you have to, and, and, and you know, this at this level, we can't recruit them. We got to, we, we get right. who we get and you might have the, a five two all the way to a six nine, and and of different abilities and different uh, natural abilities and different um, natural things that we're born with. You know, some might be fast, some might be quick, some might be tall, some might not be tall. Uh, so, but in order to, I think we have to be as technical as we can as a coach to and that close those gaps. So where the player you have, the gaps they have. I think it, 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 if you develop yourself as a coach, te- technique-wise and fundamental-wise, to that we're able to teach those things to your players, that's going to close the gaps for the gaps they have, where they come with somebody that's better than them at different talent levels and different skill levels that they have. Uh, for example, if you have somebody that can that's not as quick, but and they're going against a quicker opponent, that you know what you're teaching them and how and what they need to do so they can they can narrow those gaps where I know you, you can't just develop quickness. You, you can build on, you can make, you can become quicker. You can become faster, but you can't be fast. If you're not fast, you ain't going to yeah. get fast. You can, yeah. you can, you can improve your speed. So, and, and that's where we come in so we can bridge those gaps and by doing, and, and the, the more knowledgeable and, and I think the best coaches in high school in Texas in any sport uh, because of everything that we have, facility, you know, just, the, just the, uh, the importance that we put on high school athletics. I and mean, we start from the beginning, you know, even from, yeah, and I don't know everybody does that, but the, what, the importance that we have here with our facilities, the paying of coaches that are, uh, you know, they're full-time teachers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the things that, that we provide for our coaches to get better, that resources that um, you can, you know, that, you know, and the facilities and all those things we have to our, to, for our kids that allows them to, to develop. And th- and that's where it just came to come across is that uh, w- when I first started coaching coach, I also, I was, I coached like I was coach coming. That was back in the old time. They were a lot of yelling, uh, yeah. never put their hands yeah. up. You know, they grab your face, man. You know, they, 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 they it, that was kind of like a motivation thing. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how I coached. But then I realized that, that I, I can get just as much out of them by treating them more respectful uh you know and and then uh, you know I, I just i just said to myself and it was like 
I'm going to say 2001, where I changed my my approach, not my expectation, but my approach and how I'm going to coach kids. And, you know, the, kid, the kids even started me, well, Coach, you ain't cussing no more. I said, no, I don't need to cuss for you to do what you need to do because uh, I know you have that respect for me. And I res- even though I did, they still respect me because I, I had the relationship with them because I just yeah. did not use them or not use them, but just coached them. I also cared about what, you know, and, and that I think that's being not coming up, not coming from a home where we had everything we wanted, just we had everything we needed, but not much more than we wanted and coaching kids that way. Uh, it, you just get, like you say, you're more impactful that way. And, and so, uh, and being, and, and knowing where, the, where, where our, where our clientele comes from, we might be the only stable thing they have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and doing that, then, then I saw how that, that relationship and it, they feel valued and anybody that feels valued. I mean, you know, everybody likes to feel important and feel like they are valued when they don't feel valued and you don't, you know, they don't feel like you respect them. They, they, they're, they're not going to give you what, what you want. And, and they're not going to become better people because that's the main thing you're trying to do because not everybody's going to get a chance to, like myself and yourself, to go play ball, to have yeah. the, uh, and, and do what we want to do. Not all of them have that opportunity, but we also we want them to have an opportunity to be successful in whatever they choose to be in life. You know, so, so that's where kind of development. So Texas is definitely different. And you are not um, – so as a basketball coach, we just had TABC, right, the TABC showcase. Yes, sir. Rave, rave reviews, right? So I'm seeing things on social media. I'm hearing things um, from evaluators. So I want to say Fran Fraschilla, who's an ESPN mm-hmm. talent evaluator, he's raving about TABC. Um, I talked to Coach Peavy. I uh, had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how Texas is is different. And you mentioned, you know, it's the coaching, the coaching education, the opportunities for the development facilities. That being said, we are seeing. Me personally, I'm seeing more coaching openings than I can ever remember seeing. I'm seeing football coaching openings. Mm-hmm. So. With Texas being the best and having the best facilities and the best opportunities for coaching education and things like that. What, what's, what's the deal? Why do, why are we having so many openings and how can we attract more people, more quality people, more good coaches that have that positive impact? How can we attract those people to the profession? Uh, it's funny you said that. I served on a panel with the with the athletic directors conference, which which was held earlier this month, and that was one of the questions. So uh, I kind of already, you know, know how to answer that. I mean, I I know what what I feel. First okay. of all, back when I came, I don't know about yourself. You had to do student teaching. So when you when you and and depending, no matter whether you whether you were under a a a, a, a good mentor when you did that or not, you knew what to expect because you already had your practice. I was fortunate when I did it. I I I, I taught half a day of of, of uh, tech of uh, U.S. history under a coach, a lady coach. So I knew about the teaching, but also knew about the the, the challenges a coach would have when you're teaching in the classroom. Uh, as far as you know, what you, you know, everything you have to do in the classroom and still 
because uh, I think she was a head volleyball coach. And then doing that, okay. and then also I was able to teach one class of PE with the coach. So I kind of knew that that aspect, which is, you know, there was a lot less uh, responsibilities, you know, as far as the, compared to when the class where you got a great papers and all that. And then I was also fortunate to be in the athletic class. So I knew I, I was able to do the transition and see how getting from one place to the other, getting down there, get ready. And then uh, and then also having to deal with the different obstacles because they, you know, they, they, they at first they're there. You, you watch them. Then they let you do it and they're watching you. And then eventually they they just give it to you. And that's that's kind of how you learn. But they're they, but they're still there to be a guide and to be a, a, re, a reference point. So that's one thing. So because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these, though, they, there's no student teaching. So they're jumping right in. And a lot of times it's overwhelming because now mm-hmm. not being in the classroom now for it's what's going with 14 years, but going by but we're talking with our coaches so much is how much is expected of them in the classroom it's just that's one thing so i think if they went back to that but we have a shortage so you got to get them people in there and they're really learning you know it's coaching on the run or teaching on the run that's one thing so that's why they they get out quicker because they're kind of overwhelmed about all the responsibilities yeah. that come with coaching with the teaching part that's the first thing uh, the the I ain't gonna say abuse, but some of them do get abused. But the the treatment that they the way they're treated by parents, even by some of their players, uh, they also see the treatment of the fans, of the referees and the officials, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and those are the two things right there for me. And also kind of entitlement uh, because you know, and those who say they played plural ball, played college ball, they feel that since I had that experience as a player that that should qualify me to be in a upper position when they get in as a coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, this uh, not just cause you're a good player. Don't mean you're going to be a good coach. I mean, you're going to be a bad coach, but then also there's a lot of coaches who didn't, who were not, you know, just marginal players and some didn't even play that sport, um, but are great coaches. And that goes back to, I yeah. think relationships. So, that it's kind of a two or threefold uh, cause and effect of why those coaches are are not doing that, and uh, I think it's just overwhelming. They're overwhelming, the you know because of lack of uh, a practice doing it, yeah, the teaching yeah. and the coaching, and the entitlement, and uh, and and really the practice that comes with the the student teaching with the student teaching, and and also the the the. The lack of, I, I ain't going to say abuse, but the lack of uh, appreciation by parents and by, by coaches, not coaches, by players. Yeah, it, the profession is definitely, teaching is, is difficult. I, I tell people all the time, um, and this is, I'm not even going to say it because it's kind of sad. Uh, <laughs> but I have two sons, right? And... You know, if they wanted to teach, I don't know what I would say. You know, if they came to me, it was like, Dad, I, you know, I want to get into to teaching and coaching on the high school level. Um, I don't know what I would say, but if they wanted to do it, I would make sure that I try to get them wherever I am so that yes. I could kind of put them under my wing. Yes, so what are – I love the profession, Coach. I love the profession. Um, I believe that, you know, coaching is a calling. And I think if we treat it like that, then 
we we won't come in maybe with a sense of entitlement. So what is one thing that those of us who are currently in the profession, what is one thing we can we can do to maybe help attract people? Or is there anything that we can do? I, I think mentoring, mentoring. I'm, I'm just big on, on mentoring because as I was growing up, First of all, there wasn't a lot of them that looked like myself in coach. There were some, but not very many, not in very hardly anywhere in the leadership positions. And so as I was coming up, uh, that I didn't really pay attention to that. You know, I just was coaching to coach and love coaching and trying to, you know, help kids and be successful, uh, help them be successful as players and and as people. Uh, but then uh, <clears throat> I, I learned a lot of stuff tri by trial and error trial and error. And, and I, I would have some coaches that would give me tidbits like, uh, you know, okay, we go in this meeting and we have this meeting when they do this, don't do this. Or if I did something wrong here, next time, don't do that. Nick, this, this is, he said, I, you know, they'll tell you, I, it, it wasn't what you did, but how you did it. You know, give you little tidbits, but they didn't really take you under your wing. They didn't let you, you know, get out there and, 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 you know, like you don't know how to, like you're out there with a, uh, in a boat without a paddle. They would, if they see you, they would help you, but they wouldn't just really take you under the wing. They just kind of give you tidbits and they weren't trying to be, you know, not, not trying to be helpful, but I, I think they really didn't know how to do it back then. So I think one of those things is mentoring. Uh, Cause that's one of the things uh, when I became an, an assistant AD is when I, I knew what my duties were, but I, you know, when you're a coach, you know what your purpose is. But when you're an AD, it says, so what's my purpose? I know what I got to do. I know I got to make schedules. I got to do, you know, I got to make sure we have officials. You know, I got to make sure facilities ready. And when I first got to spring and I started, just went around and introduced myself and meeting all the coaches and everybody to a coach, you know, they had a, an issue, a concern. I ain't going to say issue, but they had a concern. Coach, can you look at this? Look at this. So, th so that, after doing that, then I found my purpose. My purpose as assistant AD was to impact coaches and indirectly impact our student athletes. And um, so, yeah, exactly. And and so, that's where I, I saw the men. You know, because a lot of them were doing things. I said, man, that you know, there's something that's kind of commonplace that we would think of because we have experience. But man, those God, they didn't know that. And they didn't do you know. And if they would have known that, they wouldn't have had those issues or concerns or uh, the mistakes that they made. And then also, they get they'll get to where they want to go quicker. So that was really where. I um, came up with the idea to start these leadership initiatives that we have in Spring ISD to help those coaches uh, build on their strengths, but build on the, the thing, close those, to close those gaps, to fill those gaps and the gaps where, where they have gaps, fill those gaps where it's needed. So then when those opportunities present themselves, then they feel like they, they're better prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. And because, uh, um, and and hopefully make make those paths where I know 10, 15 years ago, I would not be in this position, not at Spring ISD. Uh, in other places now, I still would not even apply, even though I know I fit, I, I fit the, meet the, the qualifications. And that's another thing, uh, you know, so, you know, opening those avenues for people of color and, and, and also not just, not just men, but also women. And that's another thing, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, and and that's one one. Even when we are qualified, we feel like we're not qualified because of our ethnicity, and that's another thing that 
but but if you if you feel like you're better prepared than you then that that makes you more marketable and also give you more confidence to feel that you are uh, you can overcome maybe where somebody sees that as an obstacle yeah i i told uh i was talking to my wife and i was telling her that you were coming on the podcast and and uh one of the things i was telling her was man coach jacinto is a visionary you know he he he's visionary so i i you know i'm watching you know with the the leadership academy that you've put together in spring and they don't have those everywhere you yes, know sir. they don't have those everywhere so very 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 visionary and you said something there, there's a few things you've said but the one thing that i that you said that stuck with me the most was your best ability is availability mm-hmm. and that's and so when when i was in spring isd i i can honestly say that that was true you know you were always available and and when you brought ah so I, I need to bring her on the podcast as well. When you brought Treva Corrales. Oh yeah. From uh from when she was at Judson. Judson. When you brought her from Judson to do the little mini clinic. That see, stuff like that is visionary because we use those things to this day. The things that I learned from her that day, mm-hmm. I'm, we we still use them, you know, and I and I'm able to pass them on to uh, my assistant coach, right. Who, who actually played for me when she was at spring. So, um, good, good stuff, coach, good stuff. You're visionary. All right, coach, we're going to pivot. We're about 40 minutes in. Um, so we're getting ready to pivot, but before we pivot, for those of you who may be listening to the audio podcast, if you're listening on Apple, y'all please go and give us that five-star rating. If you're watching on YouTube, like subscribe, hit that little notification button. So you get the notification every time we got a new new episode coming out. All right, coach, we're going to play a game of pepper. Okay. Are, are you okay with this? I guess so. <laughs> All right, coach, just, just real quick. We're, we're coming. We're almost to crunch time, but we're going to play a quick game of pepper. Um, I'm going to put 30 seconds on my timer and I'm just going to throw questions at you for 30 seconds. You okay with that coach? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let me, let me get my questions ready. Let me get my questions ready. All right, here we go. Coach, what's your favorite month? November. Favorite food? Tamales. Would you rather work or play? Play. Have a night in or a night out? Night out. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Read people's mind. Would you rather drive or fly? Drive. Talk or oh man, that 30 seconds went quick. Okay. I got one more question I want to ask, Coach. This is the last question. Uh-huh. Do you have your own Netflix account or do you use someone else's? Use someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff right there, Coach. Coach, I appreciate you playing that round of pepper with us. All right. We're in crunch time, Coach. So crunch time is a four, a three, a two, and a one. So you you're in the hoops hall of fame at your high school. Um, so we usually go four quarters, but you also coach football. So instead of calling this four quarters, we're going to call this four downs. Okay. All right. Four downs. Here we go. So four questions for four downs. Here's the first question. I'm sorry. Here's the first down. If you could be anything other than a coach, what would you be? FBI or CIA agent. Okay. Second down. What's the easiest thing about coaching that no one really knows? Oh, 
preparation. Okay. Okay. Third down. What's the toughest thing about coaching that no one really knows? Dealing with all the personalities. Okay. And fourth down. Coaches and players. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Fourth down. Who has the tougher job? Coaches or officials? Officials. Okay. All right. So that was that was four down. So now this brings us to three in the key. All right, coach, three in the key. Give us three things that all coaches need. Three things that all coaches need. A growth mindset. Excellent. Good listener. And patience. Okay, that's a good list right there. That was three in the key. All right, so that was four downs, three in the key. Now this brings us to two shots. Coach, what are two of the most foul things you have ever experienced as a coach? Uh, Indirect discrimination. Okay. And indirect prejudice. Okay, all right. All right, coach, so that was the four, the three, and the two. So this brings us to and one. All right, coach. So give us one thing. It can be anything that you would like to share before we exit. Uh, if people can walk in other people's shoes, but it, it, have an empathy, have an empathy. Okay. And listen, that's, that's a, that's another saying that I got from you. You said, listen, you got my empathy but you don't have my sympathy. <laughs> yeah. I remember you, I remember you saying that one time yeah. and I, I've used that one multiple times. All <laughs> right. So have empathy. So four, three, two, and that was the last one. Have empathy people. All right. Y'all listen again, a good coach will positively impact more people in one year than the average person will in one lifetime. Coach Jacinto has been in the game for 30 plus years. He's a good coach. So I know that he's had a positive impact on probably thousands and thousands of young people. My name is Coach P. We're getting ready to sign off for Coach Jacinto. I really appreciate y'all listening and watching here at the Coaches Co-op. What do we do? We highlight good coaches. Again, thank you for your time. And remember, coaches do what most people can't.